are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here y'all on this Monday. Guess what? NBA starts this week, including the Pelicans on Wednesday. We're going to have a lot of stuff to cover leading up to that, but I cannot wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. The season is finally back. Real games with Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and basically everyone else. We're going to get into some of those other guys a little bit today in the third segment of the show. But the Pelicans wrapped up another preseason undefeated. Hang the banners. Print the t-shirts. Let's all celebrate because the Pelicans basically have already won the NBA Finals, right? 2-0 in preseason. I kid, but we'll recap the final game against the Milwaukee Bucks. A win at home and talk about who played well, who didn't. Um, One person who should have played well didn't. It was a bit surprising, but we'll kind of explain what went on there. Um, And then in the second segment, the NBA released the annual GM survey. Where do the Pelicans rank? What does it kind of mean about their offseason? We'll get into all of that and a little bit more in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. Today's episode of Locked On Pelicans brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked On. you're going to get 20% off your next order. So it was a 127-113 win for your New Orleans Pelicans over the Milwaukee Bucks in the Smoothie King Center. Nice to hear Joel Myers and company back on the broadcast. So the Pelicans go 2-0 in preseason. They're now 10-0 in their past uh, 10 preseason games kind of stretching over two seasons, but three exhibition periods. Yeah, it's weird due to COVID. And this was a game where Zion Williamson absolutely dominated. 31 points on the night, nine rebounds. He did this on 12 of 22 shooting. He was seven of 11 from the line. Good numbers of getting to the line. Low in terms of making his shots there, I think. 0 for 3 from 3. Uh, three offensive boards, six defensive boards in which of those nine. Two assists. Uh, three turnovers, one steal, one block. It's good. If you look at his shot chart, just all sorts of damage in the paint while hitting a little bit of mid-range, but mainly the Pelicans are finding ways to get him to the basket. This is where anyone who thought that the spacing was going to be horrible, and and it's wonky, don't get me wrong, but there's ways to get Zion his shots at the rim in ways of getting him to the basket without there being too many defenders there. Off of screens, off ball, different things, and we saw it in this game. You don't go and put up 31 points on 22 shots if you're not having enough spacing there or if things are just mucked up for you. Otherwise, he would have had more than three turnovers. The Pelicans clearly have the right ideas of how to use him. Less of a back-to-the-basket game, more of getting him going downhill like a freight train because no one can stop that whatsoever. It was a dominant game from him against, you know, the best team in the league last year, the best defense in the league last year. It They were also without Giannis, but still, there's a lot of length there. There's a lot of defensive talent there. And he still just kind of did anything he wanted. He's basically a destroyer of worlds at the rim. And you should feel good about this. Anything that you can do to get him and make his game easier, and clearly the Pelicans have figured out what works right now. Now that might change over the course of the season, might change against regular season competition too, but things look 
very good for him in his sophomore year, and he's going to have uh, a big season is definitely primed for one. The other Pelican star really struggled in this game, and that was Brandon Ingram. Finished with just 11 points on the night, a 2 of 10 shooting night, uh, 1 of th- 4 from 3, 6 of 7 from the line. That was good, but 6 of his 11 points came at the free throw line, so he scored 5 otherwise. It's not great. 3 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 turnovers, and he fouled out in this one. This was... Not great and a bit of a concern. If he can't shoot well he and doesn't want to exert his dominance over the, the game, he clearly can be a bit of a non-factor. Now, he struggled with fouls, and that kind of took him out of that really aggressive mindset that he needs to have, that all of the Pelicans need to have. It was definitely concerning to see him so passive in this. And if he's not going to have a good night, do you trust other guys to step up in his absence other than Zion? Not entirely. Now, they did in this game, and we're going to talk about Eric Bledsoe and Blonzo Ball here in just a second. But overall, you know, you don't feel particularly great if he is having such a quiet night, if length is bothering him, if he just seems out of sorts. Now, those games are going to happen, and sometimes you just got to kind of shrug and move on. But still concerning to see just how much he struggled defensively was not good in this again you fouled out um, because he couldn't really get anything going on that end was still at least engaged in trying but once the couple fouls came through I don't know just didn't seem right maybe it's just the fact as Stan Van Gundy said that this team has been running a lot of hours in the gym for practices and we're maybe a little bit exhausted a little bit tired fatigued in this game But it's a bit of a concern. It's going to be a grind this year with everything going on. It feels like people are going to be a little bit more tired. And you're not playing in the bubble where you're more well-rested. I I don't know. That seemed a little bit concerning for me in this game. All right, coming up in the next segment, let's take a look at... um, We're going to look at both Lonzo Ball and Eric Bledsoe. First look at Eric Bledsoe, and then Lonzo Ball had himself a game. But I want to dive a little bit deeper into that as well. So that's coming up here next on Locked On Pelicans. So before we get to that, today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Are you ready for some football? College football heads into bowl season, and there are some big matchups this weekend. And the NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture becoming clear. And there is only one place that has you covered with and the one place that we trust for betting online, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code locked on, and you're gonna get a 50% welcome bonus. That's free money right there. Don't don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's episode is brought to you by 1010. Now, you may have read about this in the New York Times or Forbes, and I'm excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only responsibly sourced diamonds from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com, and when they're gone, they are gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're making 2021 plans or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this is an exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launching on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at Blue Nile. Dot com. 
Betting on the NBA doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest wagers possible. Subscribe to Locked On Bets today. Brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, going back to the Pelicans win over the Milwaukee Bucks final preseason tune-up for the team here. And again, they looked good overall. They won, though I think this game was more just about offense than defense. And Stan Van Gundy even said as much after the third, after the first quarter, the defense did not look particularly good. And in fact, the Milwaukee Bucks went on a 16-2 run. Basically, the second Zion Williamson came out of the game kind of flipping a lead that the Pelicans had. And it shows you how important both Zion and Brandon Ingram are going to be to the team. If one of them is off you're going to see periods of like intense struggle for this team and you saw it in this game so you need other guys to step up and two did in this one we got to see our first look at Eric Bledsoe who finished the night with 14 points six assists seven rebounds he was five of 11 shooting including two of five from three including a really tough one in the corner liked what we saw out of him he's just a veteran player that basically you know what he's going to give you at least in the regular season we don't need to touch on his playoff struggles but overall we know what he is going to give you I was happy with how well he seemed acclimated to this team finding the guys in their spots and just kind of getting the ball in situations where they could then go and do their thing same for Lonzo Ball this was a big game for him with Brandon Ingram struggling he needed to step up and he did 19 points on the night on 7 of 11 shooting including 3 of 6 from deep 5 rebounds 8 assists in this one he did hit Zion Williamson in 2 pick and rolls I that's what I liked out of him when you look at the assists and you can go take a look at all of them again again he's not creating for others he's just getting the guy uh, getting the guy a ball and they kind of go and do work he had 5 assists out of his 8 to Zion Williamson in this. uh, Most of it is due to Zion doing work and not necessarily Lonzo Ball making life easier for him. Go back and watch him, I'm telling you. Two of them, though, were in the pick and roll, which were great. Two well-run pick and rolls, including a behind-the-back pass from Lonzo Ball to Zion Williamson. The other one just realizing how to hit him on the as the roll man. And the fact that he was scoring and being aggressive in this game, and that aggression is key. And you heard J.J. Redick after the game telling him, uh, saying to the media, I tell him to shoot all the time. He needs to be aggressive because then he is a threat. And he was a threat on offense in this one. And it opened things up for others just a little bit more. Otherwise, maybe those two pick and rolls to Zion Williamson don't work. So the fact that he was a credible threat to score in this game, he had three three mid-range shots. You play drop coverage on him there, all of a sudden he can burn you. Now, I don't think that's going to be the case all the time, but he was good in this. Like I'm going to give him a lot of credit here. I know I've been hard on him as many people have, and I think deservedly so, but this one Fully a deserved, very good game and needed in the face of Brandon Ingram struggling like he did. So it was a great display from Lonzo Ball and a very important game, I think, for him to have. I'm going to talk about him and Josh Hart in a minute because Josh Hart was kind of ineffective in this game too um, alongside Brandon Ingram, um, though you have to kind of figure against the Bucks. most people are. And we're going to talk about them in the third segment because both Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart are up for extensions, and that extension deadline is today. Are they going to get a deal done? Do they even want to get a deal done? We're going to talk about that coming up um, in the third segment. First, let's let's switch gears a little bit. 
um, to the GM survey. Oh, one thing I do want to mention I thought was interesting in this was you saw Sundarius Thornwell really getting the nod over Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Nikhil Alexander-Walker didn't play in this one. Sundarius Thornwell got 12 minutes. Might have been more for defense and kind of that, that hustle that he provides on that side of the ball versus Nikhil. Something, maybe a positional battle to keep an eye on going forward. But now we're going to switch gears quickly to the GM survey. So the GM survey is always kind of interesting. All the GMs get together in the league, put in, you know, answer questions. You can't vote for your own team, your own players, and that's kind of how it goes. So some of the things I thought were a little bit interesting is very clearly the shine has come off of Zion Williamson just a little bit, and I think it's fine with the way he struggled in the bubble, with the missing all the games last year. This is no shock, and we kind of t- have talked about this a couple of times. For the question of if you were starting a franchise today and can sign any player, who would it be? He was not in the top three. He was just one of those guys receiving votes. He had a pretty good showing last year, I thought, and didn't really in the GM survey um, in terms of that question this year. In terms of which players most likely to have a breakout season, he finished fourth with 8% of the vote. Now, it's close to the leaders, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander won it with 15, but still, it's about halfway there. Just a little bit kind of shocking that he is thought of so low, maybe just kind of an out-of-sight out of mind kind of thing. Um, but you did see Stan Van Gundy's name appear on which head coach will make the best in-game adjustments and which new or relocated head coach will have the biggest impact on his team. So people do think very highly of him. There's a lot of head coach turnover this season. So um, no surprise there, though, that he's on it. And you can kind of already see the immediate uh, impact that he's having on this Pelicans roster. Steven Adams made the list. He was voted toughest player in the NBA. Love it. Need something like that on this Pelicans team. 32%. Next closest is P.J. Tucker in Houston at 25%. So winning this by a good little margin. I thought that was kind of awesome. And then really the big one. So again, the shine has kind of come off of this Pelicans team. They didn't have a hugely impactful offseason other than maybe Steven Adams, right? In terms of getting better. And I think people are maybe sleeping on the team to a degree, though I think it's somewhat valid. I see them as, you know, 8, 9, 10, somewhere in that range. But... They're not clearly thought of as like, oh my God, this young up and coming team. Yet, yet they did get voted the team with the best young core. And I thought that was the really interesting thing. Which team has the most promising young core? New Orleans Pelicans, number one at 41%, followed by the Memphis Grizzlies at 22%. So basically doubling them there. That's good. Now, They know there's a lot of talent here, but I think people aren't expecting it to be all put together this season. But with Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, of course, the rest of the guys here, that's big. Like, that's really big that you're voted the most promising young core. This is after the Memphis Grizzlies had a great draft a year ago, probably better than the Pelicans outside of, like, the John Morant, Zion Williamson thing. But overall, their draft was fantastic. And you're not voting them. And I actually thought they had a pretty good draft this year. And you're not voting them best young core. This speaks volumes over what the Pelicans have done and built. So coming up, it's extension day. What's it mean? What are the chances of something getting done? We'll dive into it next here in Locked on Pelicans. 
Before we get to that, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It really is that simple. They're great for the health conscious person who's looking to lose or maintain weight. And these bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. They have some that have 19 grams of protein and 180 calories or 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories. You're not wasting all that cardio that you did after eating one of the, one of these things. And also, these are the best tasting, as I said, protein bars out there on the market. I just got a shipment of them in and I'm excited about it. They just taste better than everything else. They're soft. They're easy to chew. They're not chalky. You don't need to chug down a bottle of water, which is something you often need to do after you eat a protein bar. So whether you use them as a meal replacement and you don't want to be miserable during all of that, or you just need it as breakfast or after a workout, whatever it might be, these things are kind of perfect. I eat one every single day. I definitely think you've got to give them a try as well. The funny story was the other night I was going to go get ice cream with my girlfriend. And instead of going out, she was wondering and said on the drive, there we ended up getting some maybe i could have just eaten a built bar to have something for dessert that's how good that these things taste like that tells you all you need to know and if you want to give them a try go to builtbar.com use promo code locked on you're going to get 20 percent off your next order that's promo code locked on for 20 percent off at builtbar.com so wrapping up today's show, roster moves for the Pelicans, potential roster moves for the Pelicans too, I guess in terms of uh, extension decisions, some other notes from around the NBA. First and foremost, the Pelicans waived four players from the team in Tony Carr, Raleigh Outkins, Jared Udhoff, and Ike Bongu. That's no surprise. They were training camp bodies. We knew that the roster was going to be 14 people plus the two ways going into the regular season just because of where the Pelicans stand against the luxury tax. So no real shock there. No one was really going to stand out in, in preseason or really have a chance at making the roster when you looked at the guaranteed money that was given out. You just need some bodies. Those guys didn't even play. So that's where the Pelicans stand with the finalized roster. Now, what makes today interesting is it is rookie extension deadline day. Both Josh Hart and Lonzo Ball are eligible for these extensions. The Pelicans not famously, but decided not to, and Brandon Ingram decided not to last year enter into one of these extension talks, um, opting for a more type of prove it season. Ingram did, got his full max deal for that rookie extension max uh, this offseason. Now you're going to potentially look at a situation like that if you don't get an extension done with Josh Hart or Lonzo Ball. They'll be entering into contract years where after this coming season they would be restricted free agents. So you still have basically complete control over them. There's no worry that Brandon Ingram is going to go anywhere else, right? The only worry comes in is if a team overpays one of your guys and you just don't want to pay that, whether that's for Josh Hart or more likely Lonzo Ball. And especially when you look at this coming free agency, what looked to be a loaded free agent class most of those guys have signed extensions now, and it's not going to be a loaded free agent class. So a guy like Lonzo Ball or Josh Hart could get overpaid in restricted free agency, forcing the Pelicans to match and overpay that player or let him go for nothing. So the Pelicans, if you can get the player to agree to a rookie extension and not have him test that open market, can definitely be beneficial. I don't think they'll come to an agreement with Lonzo Ball. I think he's kind of in one of those things where he, if I were him, I wouldn't take it either because the Pelicans are going to lowball you and you probably want to earn as much money as possible, I would assume. Seems like the natural thing, right? You're going to need to go out and have a, a great season and force them to pay you, kind of like what Brandon Ingram did, right? And I think he's potentially capable of doing that, but... He's going to need to have a big year if he wants to get that money. And if he wants that money, you're not going to take a low ball extension. I don't think something gets done there. Josh Hart, I could see an extension getting done with. 
Um, but I don't know if they're going to be able to get one done by the end of today. Certainly, they are very happy with him. We're all very happy with Josh Hart. He's a very useful player to have, and I bet on the open market there would be a lot of interest in him. I don't know to the degree that he'd get overpaid, but he's a young guy with a three-point shot who hustles and defends well. There's room for those guys to get a lot of money in the NBA, so getting an extension agreed upon with Josh Hart would make a good bit of sense and a good bit of business for the Pelicans, but he may want to test the open market and see if he can get not a max, but as much money as possible in negotiating only with the Pelicans certainly isn't going to be the way to do that. Also of note, the Utah Jazz gave Rudy Gobert $205 million over five years, average of $41 million per season, a whole lot of money for a big man that doesn't really show up in the playoffs because you can kind of game plan around him with his skill set. Still, though, that deal is going to make the extension for Steven Adams look even better than maybe it was already looking. I thought they overpaid for Steven Adams. I wasn't thrilled with the extension right off the bat, but when you heard David Griffin's explanation of it, that maybe money is drying up in that free, or not money is drying up, the good players are drying up in free agency next year, teams are going to have money. Could Steven Adams have been overpaid? Could he have been given a big contract by another team? And then the Pelicans have to decide if they want to basically give him the same amount of money, even though he doesn't have to accept it. He's not a restricted free agent. So all of a sudden, that Steven Adams deal looks a whole lot better for New Orleans when you see that contract that Rudy Gobert gets and that, yeah, he probably would get paid a bunch of money in free agency because we've seen, particularly in 2016 and at times this offseason, that teams, if you have money, they spend it and they spend it on such dumb players and contract, not dumb players. That's a, that's a bad way to say it, but bad contracts. And they just want to burn that money. Steven Adams could have been like a 30 million plus dude a year. And so the Pelicans aren't giving him that. They're giving him less than that. They didn't get into the open market and negotiate basically against themselves or anything like that. I kind of like it. I like that a lot. So overall, it seems like a smart piece of business for New Orleans. Now, will they do the smart thing with Lonzo Ball or Josh Hart? We'll see by 5 p.m. today, which is the time of the deadline. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.